This is exactly right. Welcome to my favorite murder, the mini-sode. That's right. We read you your stories. Are you ready to hear them? Ask yourself. Ask yourself. Check in with yourself. Get in there. (laughs) You want to go first? All right. I won't read you the subject line of this one. It just says, hello, my baronesses of murder. My name is Chase. I've been listening to your lovely voices since 2020 and haven't stopped since. Thanks, Chase. Thank you. I managed to binge years of the pod into a matter of months <laughs> as I work 12-hour shifts and I'm able to listen to MFM the entire time. It felt like the lowest form of time travel. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Anyways, what prompted me to finally write in was I was listening to one of the recent minisodes, you know, the short episodes where you read us our emails. Yeah, that one. So Jacob from Schumacher, and then in parentheses it says, I'm not sure I spelled that right, mentioned he was an underground miner and Karen gushed over it like he was a rock star. And you ladies said that no one listens to the pod while working underground. Well, I'm here to tell you, I do. Oh. In fact, just that, one kilometer down to be exact. Whoa. What? If only we knew the metrics. Uh, I know, if only I really knew how far down that was. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, Americans. Oh, America. Frank is going for it. Sorry about that. Another coincidence to the pod. I'm a potash miner. There's a callback in an old episode where the factory owner dissolved a body using the ore that I work with underground. Ain't that some shit. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then it says, also note, Karen, it's pronounced potash, not potash, (laughs) the way I just pronounced it. And then it says the main component is potassium. Anyways, enough about me. I have a badass grandma story. All that to say, I have a badass grandma <laughs> I story. That was a story. <laughs> I know y'all love these. My great grandma Elsie was such a lovely old English woman, married to an Irishman. So you can imagine the demeanor. If you know, you know. I remember most of all, she gave the warmest, most loving hugs. Aww. Grandma hugs. It kills me. Probably because we were the same height when I was a boy. Aww. <laughs> She was no more than five feet tall and adorable. She passed away when I was about 12, and I miss her dearly. She was an angel on earth. But do not fuck with this woman. Long before I was born, my great Auntie Joan had a boyfriend that was a little, let's say, unhinged. There was some trouble, and Auntie Joan decided to leave him. He did not take this well. He decided to get a rifle and come to their house and point the gun at the house, demanding Joan come out. Elsie was not having that shit. My five-foot-tall granny came marching out of the house on fire. This guy points the rifle at her, and she, without missing a beat, grabs the barrel, pulls it out of his hands, turns it around, and boom. Just kidding, she didn't shoot him. (laughs) But But she did tell him to get the fuck out of here. She's one of my heroes, and I hope to see her again in the spirit world. I do, too. Me too. Jesus. Yeah. Hell yes. I hope to hear one of you ladies read this back to me while I'm down here feeding the corporate machine. Stay sexy and don't fuck with Elsie. 
Chase 30 Saskatchewan. And P.S. Karen, I've always had a huge crush on you. Okay, goodbye. Oh, cute. What better way to romance a person than to tell a really awesome story about your badass grandma? That's right. Now you know he has good genes. Yeah. He's a hard worker. He's brave. He's genetically brave. Yeah. I dig it. He works one kilometer below the ground. Hot, hot, hot. Well, I, for one, approve this union. (laughs) This one's about cat sitting. Okay. And they very kindly wrote three minute read in the subject, (laughs) which I appreciate. Yes. The type A's. Okay. Just starts. Longtime listener here, I have heard every episode. The combination of lighthearted banter and fascinating morbidity you feed me nourishes my silly, dark soul. I have always been a little too interested in things of the macabre nature, and I think it all began when I was about 12. Allow me to explain. I'm a cat person and always have been, even from an extremely young age. When I was old enough to start earning my own money, I started cat sitting for people in my neighborhood in the small North Alberta town where I'm from. Canada again. Canada. Hey. Mm-hmm. It says, no dogs, no reptiles, no fish, no rodents, not even plants, just cats. That was my specialty and people paid for my expertise. I love this. What if that's what their card said? Or it's just a card with all the no's. Yeah, no, 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 no. And then a head of a cat right in the center. I have 12. Here's my card. <laughs> I have a lot of restrictions. <laughs> yeah. One of my best clients was our family doctor, Dr. Cooper. He lived up the street from me and had two beautiful kitties whose names I don't recall now. The job was great. Whenever he and his wife would go away on vacation or business, he would leave me a house key and I would drop in twice a day to scoop the litter, feed them their pate, entertain them with strings, and help myself to open bags of snacks in the pantry. Hell yeah. It says this is not explicitly part of the arrangement, but I never ate enough that they would notice, I think. (laughs) It's part of the fucking job. Everyone knows that. It's part of the job and it was the part of the job that I could never do because I'm like, oh, I'm just eating some cookies. And I'm positive that I got fired from my first babysitting job for eating all of their cookies. I was just like... Mm. <laughs> did you get rid of the evidence though? Like, did you throw the trash away in their oh, trash? No, no. Yeah. Just blatant, like, these are my mint Milanos or whatever <laughs> they were. Didn't care. We came home one evening to a message on our answering machine. It was 1999. Mm-hmm. From Dr. Cooper. He said he had to leave town suddenly for a conference and his wife was out of town or something and he needed me to feed his cats. The key was left under the mat at his front door. He had never left me instructions in a message before. He usually spoke with my parents to, quote, book me, but I didn't think much of it. It was late, so I headed over the next morning to do my duties. I don't recall how soon after, it could have been a day or days later, I'm not sure, but the police arrived at our door asking to speak with me. My parents sat me down at the kitchen table with the police officers, and they asked me questions like, did Dr. Cooper tell you where he was going? And did he mention when he would be back? And how did he sound to you? Mm -hmm. My dad interjected and said that he had left us a message on our answering machines, and no one had actually spoke with him directly. The police then told us that they needed to confiscate both the tape from our answering machine and the key to Dr. Cooper's house. I don't know if my dad had seen one too many crime shows or if he was being deliberately difficult, but he told them that they would need a warrant for those items and to come back when they had one. Oh, dad. Yeah. So they did. They took the tape and the key and that was that. I really don't know how much of this was by the book, but I wouldn't doubt that both my dad and the small town cops were a little oblivious to proper murder investigation protocol. I just remember asking my parents who was going to feed the cats. My only concern was for my business, of course. And they told me not to worry. 
Later, we would find out what happened. Mm. Ready? And this isn't what I thought it would be, but it still sucks. Okay. Dr. Cooper was at odds with another doctor in our small town, Dr. Snyder. Dr. Cooper invited Dr. Snyder to his office one night for a meeting. Dr. Cooper then killed Dr. Snyder, put his body in the trunk of his car and disposed of it. Oh. He then drove to a neighboring city and boarded a plane to a, quote, conference to establish his alibi and left me the message asking me to cat sit. Like that was part of his like to-do list after killing someone. Pulled the 12-year-old into the plan. Uh, uh-huh. Jesus Christ. Dr. Cooper was eventually arrested, tried, and found guilty of manslaughter. He was sentenced to about 7.5 years in jail. Though Dr. Snyder's body was never found, there was plenty of blood evidence left behind in Dr. Cooper's office, on his clothes, and in the trunk of his car. Dr. Cooper maintained his innocence the whole time, claiming Dr. Snyder faked his own death to frame him. His defense was quite painful for our small community, as Dr. Snyder was quite beloved, from what I recall. Dr. Cooper was eventually released after serving about two-thirds of his sentence. That's it. Two-thirds of like seven and a half years mm-hmm. for murdering someone in cold blood. How many years is two-thirds of seven? Two-thirds is uh, two and a half-ish? Two and a half-ish? I'm going to go <laughs> two and a half I can't be the one that answers. Oh, this is on video, by the way, for the fan cult, if you want to see me counting on my actual <laughs> fingers like an actual child. Or a very smart chimpanzee. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And from my understanding, went on to lead a nonviolent life post-conviction. One last twist. Years later, my big brother would move to Edmonton, Alberta, and take a woodworking hobby class. Guess who was also in that class? Dr. Cooper. Whoa. So that's how my obsession with cats led me to an obsession with murder. Stay sexy and don't hand over evidence without a warrant. Aaron H. I mean... Erin said that her dad and the small town police might not know about murder process, but it sounds like her dad knew exactly what he was talking about. That's right. And was protecting people's rights just because that's the way it should be. Totally. That's kind of cool. I mean, I would love to know what the the details of what that argument problem was. Yeah. Clearly, it was big enough and important enough that it came to murdering someone. I mean, what the hell? Why not? People murder for the dumbest fucking reasons. Yeah. Who knows? If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye.
Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. All right. (laughs) The subject line of this one is hometown folklores. You actually did ask for this one. (laughs) That sounds right. (laughs) (laughs) Like trying to reassure us. Dear ladies and all four and three-legged friends, we don't discriminate here. Oh. Long-time listener and fourth-time writer, but I'm not mad about it. And then in parentheses, it says sad face. (laughs) So that's passive-aggressive. In Minnesota 348, I think, you asked for hometown folklore, and I have some wild tales from a place people seem to know nothing about, as I always have to explain where I am from geographically. I grew up on the Isle of Man. I know where that is, which is the tiny spit of land between England and Ireland. And we have some mad skeet pronounced skeet. It means stories slash gossip. (laughs) Cool. When it comes to our weird folklore, I'm going to share with you two of my faves, although there is an extensive list. If I'm not mistaken, did you ever hear of the band Band of Bees Mm -hmm. from the like aughts? Yeah, that's where they're from. I think it is. It's literally like this tiny island. I've definitely read books where the where it's set there for sure. On the Isle of Man. On the Isle of Man. Like I think during World War II, it was like the only territory that something, something, something. That's all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember anything the- useful, but I just <laughs> know the name. Oh, I'm sorry. Band of Bees is from Isle of Wight. Oh. God damn it. You were close. One word away out of three. Not bad. That can't count as the folklore from Isle of Man. (laughs) It's a different place. Okay. So here we're getting into it. My personal favorite is the Modi Do. Oh, sorry. Pronounced Morty (laughs) Do. I think this is appreciated and also needed, but it also means black dog in Manx, which is Manx Gaelic. So the Morty Dew is a mythical dog who's rumored to have scared someone to death in one of the castles on the island. Mm. 
Mm. As legend has it, this is a black dog who stands at the height of a man and has eyes glowing like red pieces of coal. The first written sighting of him was when Charles II was king, and there was a dog sighted around Peel, pronounced Peel, don't worry, (laughs) Peel Castle, and no one knew anything about whose it was or where it came from. Most people weren't scared at the sighting and ignored the Morty Dew But one night, one of the guards wanted to challenge the dog whilst drunk because men, and then there's 10 question marks after the word men. (laughs) So he challenged the dog and said, I'll see if he's dog or devil, and went into the room where it had been sighted to collect his keys. No one thought anything of it until they heard the screams of the guard. They went into the room to see how the man was, and apparently his face was so white and pale and twisted, no one could get him to speak, and three days later, he died. Mm -hmm. And the Morty Dew was never seen again. Who, like, died of fright. Creepy. My other favorite is the Bougane, B-U-G-G-A-N-E. And then it says pronounced like it's spelled, I think, which is some kind of bad fairy. Because you know how much Celtic people love fairies. The Bougain used to live in a field where it was decided a church would be built. He is described to be huge, ebony black, with long fingers and a contorted face. The Bougain was not a good Christian, nor did he want people coming to bother God in his field. When the church was built, they went to put the roof on, and being the committed atheist he was, he ripped off the roof in the night. Not once, not twice, but three times. There is some story about a tailor who promised to stay there overnight and sew some trousers so he could fight the Bougain with the power of God. Apparently, his commitment to sewing the trousers in the face of this non-Christian entity made the Bougain rip his own head off and he was never seen again. (laughs) Shit. And then it says, I find this hard to believe personally, but not because of the power of God, but because St. Trinian's church on the Isle of Man still does not have a roof. So as far as I'm concerned, the church lost this one. (laughs) There are many more tales of evil river fairies and other odd gods, such as Mananan Macalear, who is the god of man, hence the Isle of Man, Mm -hmm. and hides the island from invaders, although it was invaded by many, many people. So maybe not the best god, I think. Anyway, weird. I hope you enjoyed the stories of the weird and wonderful place I call home. Thank you for all you do. Stay sexy and sew trousers to show God you're a good Christian. Sending you all my love from myself and my two Siamese boys, Mm. Gus and Claude, Lucy. Wow. The first story reminds me of the Strange and Unusual podcast. I feel like she's done that story before because I remember trying to fall asleep one night to her podcast and being like, well, I can't fucking sleep to this. It's terrifying. Because it's legit scary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a cool feeling Like when you go to Ireland or get to see any of those places, they're so much closer to those old ancient times than, of course, like this country or whatever. So you're like, oh, I could really see this whole world before Christianity came where it was like mythical and the Celts and mythical and fairies and all these like so much magic. It's just such a fun idea. It is. Okay. My second one is about a bad dad and a good dog. Mm. Hi, MFM crew. I'm a longtime listener, third time writer. Fingers crossed this one makes it. I sing your praises at the end of this email, so please stay tuned. It's <laughs> a good one. Don't bail out halfway through, Georgia. I Keep won't. going. I won't. Okay, it goes look, we all have a trash dad named Jim, but only some <laughs> of us are lucky to have a hero dog to balance out the equation. <laughs> 
Our dog's name was Samson, a German shepherd. One day, my dad was taking over parent duties from my mom, who worked nights. They were really young parents working multiple jobs each to make ends meet, and they were exhausted. So trash dad Jim lays down on the couch to take a rest after a long day as a carpenter, and my sister, three years old, was next to him watching a movie. Jim falls asleep and wakes up to an empty living room colored by the sunset outside. Mm. No kid, no dog. Jim panics and tears through the house and backyard. Still no kid. His mind is already going to dark places. So he picks up the phone to call our older next door neighbors to help him look for my sister. Three years old. That's a toddler. Pretty soon, a whole group of neighbors are searching the area looking for my sister. My dad is really starting to lose his shit when one of my neighbors says they found my sister. The little terror and that says toddler plus terror, <laughs> was across the street at the park, but no one could approach her or Sam, the mighty dog, would snap at them. Mm-hmm. So he's protecting her. Yeah. But friends, let me tell you, this wasn't just a little toddle across the street. My sister crossed a giant six-lane intersection, <laughs> presumably with a dog three times her size. A fucking German Shepherd. We come to find out that Sam was circling my sister as she crossed through multiple light cycles, herding her across the street and fending off other pedestrians and even snapping at and chasing off a car that a friend of a friend was in. (laughs) My dad was so relieved as he ran over and collected the two escapees. But this entire time, he was in only his tidy whiteies because the air conditioner was out and it was too (laughs) hot in the house. Oh my God. That's right. My trash dad was running around our neighborhood, basically naked, looking for his three-year-old and her dog sidekick. So that's the story of the time my bad, scantily clad dad had his ass saved by his best friend and dog, Sam. The dog and my dad were both so stressed out after that, that both Jim and the dog had multiple Coors lights. (laughs) And then there's three of this girl, this emoji. Oh, I can't thank you enough for becoming the two favorite voices in my head. Seriously, the way you two support each other in being your true weird selves is so healing for me. Like the big sisters I always wanted, besides my actual toddling sister mentioned above, love her too. (laughs) Stay sexy and trust your dog, but not your dad. Solana, she, her. Solana, there's dogs that would know they were supposed to do that, but not do that. (laughs) Right. For sure. Right. Like the two that are in my living room right now, (laughs) ruining this podcast. But like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that dog is a true hero. Yeah. I felt like making eye contact with everyone and being like, stay the fuck back. Everybody stay away or I'll bite you. Or I'll bite you. Even the people that know this baby and are trying yeah. to save the baby. Can you imagine seeing that? You're at a stoplight. Pull out the video camera. Yeah. That would make great content. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. 
Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. All right. It just says Zamboni stories. Cool. It says, hello, murder gals, longtime listener, first time writer. I was born and raised in Minneapolis, so I grew up playing hockey, and I, along with everyone else here, always had a fascination with the Zamboni. (laughs) I mean, how can you not? Yeah. It's pretty rad. It's a nice brushing machine. Okay. I'm 19 now. And about a year ago, I got a job working at my local ice rink, driving the Zamboni. Oh my God. Congratulations. Yeah. Dreams come true. (laughs) It was my white whale. My journey was finally complete. (laughs) I have finished life. I have a great time at work. Driving is as fun as it looks. And I always have a good time waving to little kids who watch. But the story I want to tell you involves the part of the job that most people don't often talk about. I usually work closing shifts, which means I'm done around midnight after everyone has left. It's just me, the Zamboni, and an empty ice rink. I go through my routine, cleaning the bathrooms and the locker rooms, locking everything up, and then driving home. But one night, I was locking up and trying to leave, but the main rink door wouldn't shut. This is a big problem because if the door is left open, then anyone can walk in and also tons of heat gets funneled out and the energy bill goes through the roof. So I'm trying and trying to close it and I just can't. I call my manager, but it's midnight, so she understandably doesn't answer the phone. So then I called the number for the local police. An officer comes and he tries to close it, but still nothing. Mm, When you just want to go home, it's midnight, you know? For real. Finally, he tells me to go home and he says a patrol car will check on the rink through the night. So I went home a bit worried, but still feeling okay. The next morning, I get a text from my manager saying that all the locker room keys are gone. (sighs) The police figured in between patrols, someone must have come in and stolen them. But my manager and I poked holes in that theory quickly. There is no way to get to the locker room keys without opening the office, which was locked. Hmm. Also, the locker room keys are a stupid thing to steal because there's no- <laughs> because there's nothing in the locker rooms and they smell. We go and check the security cameras. You can see me walk by and check that all the keys are there when I leave and then nothing. We went through the seven more hours of footage and somewhere around 2 a.m., the keys just disappeared. What? I don't believe in ghosts or spirits. I'm a big believer in science, but I have no way to explain this. For three more days, the keys were still gone. But then on the night of the fourth day, the keys were returned. Just as magical as when they left, all 12 locker room keys came back on the rack. There is no footage to show where they came from. Oh, my God. And then it says, I have a few other creepy Zamboni stories, but this was by far the creepiest. Thank you for everything you do. Stay sexy and maybe just leave the locker rooms unlocked so ghosts don't come. (laughs) Rohan, he, him. That's so scary. Here's the one thing I think Rohan hasn't considered. Yeah. It was the cop. Right. 
But the, how would the cop get into the locked office? He, the cops have a master key to every door. Cop keys. <laughs> cop keys. <laughs> Holy shit. But they would have seen it on the... I believe it. It would have been on the video. Yeah. Yeah. Unless the cop knew how to erase that part. I mean, I really want to do a call out for more Zamboni stories because that one was yeah. like a ghost ice rink story. So Rohan, if you have more Zamboni stories of any kind, I want to hear them because yeah. it must be fun to drive that thing. I also like the idea of a big place like that at night when you're the last person there, like in a mall or a rink, a skating rink or whatever like that sounds super creepy to me. Yes. So like, what's that like? Because people will be hiding anywhere. And in the daytime, it's all filled with people. So it right. has like a friendly residue, but then that would turn sinister, like as you're turning the lights off. Totally. You hear a weird noise. It's like a theater, old theater. You hear a weird yes. noise. What's going on? Okay. Here's my last one. This is called A Fateful Halloween. Hello, voices in my head and the hardworking folks who preview reading these stories. Let's go. Alejandra Keck, that's her name. What's up? She's a producer of My Favorite Murder, the main show. She's the producer of My Favorite Murder, the minisode. Her birthday was yesterday. She's number one. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give a shout out to Alejandra Keck. <laughs> In fifth grade, I went to my frenemy's Halloween party. That was still maybe the most fun party I've ever been to. Oh, The party had bobbing for apples, a haunted hayride, and best of all, a fortune-telling grandmother. <gasps> One at a time, this enlightened Nana called us into the dining room and revealed our futures. What a yes. great idea for a party. Oh. Just like, Grandma, make shit up about these kids, like... We don't, by the way, we don't like this one. So tell her, tell her this. <laughs> so fuck with her mind. <laughs> I'm a really good aunt. Okay. <laughs> when it was my turn, she told me three things. I would never be wedded. I would travel a lot and I would have many, all caps, children. Hmm. At 10 years old, I didn't know what to do with this information, <laughs> but felt devastated that I would never be married because that's all we were brainwashed to care about. True. After leaving the room, all the girls shared their fortune, and they were all told the same thing. They would marry the fifth grade heartthrob, Austin. <laughs> all of them? All of them. <laughs> I did not have interest in Austin, but still felt left out and concerned about my fate for years. Yeah. Grandma. <laughs> now, at 28 years old, I realized that Nana's predictions were right. I never had a wedding because my partner and I eloped. Oh, we travel every chance we get, and I have 16 kids. I'm a pediatric nurse for children in child services that have failed out of foster homes because of behavioral issues, mostly rooted in trauma. Who can blame them? I'm honored to be there for my kids on their worst and best days and work with an amazing team of people that give these kids a safe environment to heal and understand they deserve love. I'd like to thank y'all for sharing your struggles and successes while encouraging others to find healing. Everyone needs somewhere to talk about their feelings without being judged. Y'all rock. Nurse Merrimack. Yes, like the nursery rhyme. Miss Merrimack? Uh-huh, I think so. Wow. Isn't that sweet? Nurse Merrimack, that's so cool I that know. you are taking care of those kids. They deserve it the most. Grandma was right. You are a parent to many. I love that. That's very cool. Very good. Wow, another champion batch of stories. That's right. Uh, send any story you want to my favorite murder at Gmail. Thank you for listening. And if you're in the fan cult, you can go and watch what we just read to you audio wise because there's a video of it. I have a lot of makeup on in this video. <laughs> and so, so does Alejandra. She puts it on with <laughs> yeah. us. 
in empathy, she also wears it. That's right. If you're not in the fan cult and you want to see these as well as listen to them, come and join us. Yeah. Myfavoritemurder.com. Who knew? And stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Elvis, do you want a cookie? This has been an Exactly Right production. Our senior producer is Alejandra Keck. Our editor is Aristotle Acevedo. This episode was mixed by Liana Squalacci. Email your hometowns to myfavoritemurder at gmail.com. And follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at myfavoritemurder and on Twitter at myfavemurder. Goodbye. Follow My Favorite Murder on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. Visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase My Favorite Murder merch.